Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I am your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we talk with Taylor Nowlin, a professional trail runner for Adidas Terex based in Spokane, Washington. Taylor punched her ticket to Western States this June after a fourth place finish at the Black Canyon 100K last weekend. And in addition to race analysis, we talk about how she got into mountain ultra trail running, life in Spokane, Washington, how she organizes training and racing alongside her other career in nursing, advice she has for female athletes coming up in the sport, and way more. Let's get this conversation started, shall we? Welcome, Taylor Nowlin. Taylor Nowlin, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. And I should also say congrats on a golden ticket to Western States. That's what brought us here today for this conversation. And you must be thrilled. I know we're only four or five days removed from the event, but do you have any initial thoughts and feelings? I am so excited to like actually have the golden ticket. I was actually just talking to my dad about it and he was laughing at me because he was like, how'd you get it home? Because I, I flew home. And let me tell you, it is extremely difficult to get a giant golden ticket through multiple airports. You cannot check them. And in one of my flights, I had to put it in the overhead compartment. And then in the other one, I had to like basically just beg the flight attendant to like stick it in a closet pretty much. So um, it, it did make it back to Spokane with me. And I'm really excited to put it in my home gym and use it as inspiration. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so big. Like I've seen the Instagram <laughs> photos where you're on the podium and you're holding the ticket, but it, it is that big where it's like a hassle to bring through the airports. Yeah, no, it's big. And I flew through Las Vegas. So one thing I noticed was like people there were more like, oh yeah, like, of course she has a golden ticket. Less people ask me questions than the other airport I was in. <laughs> and also I've always wondered this, do you get to keep the ticket or do you have to return it to the event organizers for use in later years? I mean, I kept it. Yeah. I, I, I guess they just print new ones each year. I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I figured we could just cover a little bit of your background and where you train and how you got into the sport before we get into Black Canyon. How does that sound? Sure. Yeah, no, I'm happy to to do the deep dive. <laughs> how did you get into our sport? What's your intro to ultra running story? So my intro to ultra running, I mean, I guess I can go back to college. I was, it, I yeah. ran for Oregon State University. I was a steeplechaser there. And when I graduated, I moved almost immediately to Crested Butte, Colorado where for whatever reason, I thought it was a really good idea to train for road marathons. And I very quickly, once the winter came around, learned that like that just doesn't work. You have to adapt to what's there. So instead I got like super into skate skiing, learned about backcountry skiing. And then, then in the summer, when I started trying to run more on roads, I really quickly realized there's an insane trail network out there. And so I started running more on trails and really quickly was like, this is way more fun than, than road running. And uh, Stevie Kramer, I, I would like jump into races there and she would just obliterate me. She was so talented and she was a huge inspiration for me to get into that sport and see what I could do. And I, I just felt like it was really fun. And then it spiraled from there. There was no going back. <laughs> and one thing I'm curious about, given the fact that you had a background in collegiate running and you're now in the trail running world, are there any yeah. What, what are your thoughts about that? Like, what are the major differences? Were you excited to leave 
like the collegiate road world and to get into trail running? Or was that something you did mention the marathon training? Was that something you were trying to hold on to post-college? You know, I was excited just to do something different. I was one of those people who really stretched out my NCAA eligibility and stayed for five years. So by the time I hit the end of that five years, I was really ready to go and just do something different and just find something new that sparked joy for me. And when I discovered trails, that was absolutely it. And then where does this journey to Western States fit into the arc of your career? Has this always been a goal and have you always been working towards these golden ticket events or were there just other things that other events that were on your agenda in previous years? Cause I looked at your ultra sign up and you've been in the sport for like five or six years now. So there's been a lot I've of been, time to experiment. Yeah. I've been in it for a while. This is actually the second golden ticket I have received. I got one at Lake Sonoma. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. A few years back. And, but I didn't, honestly, I, I never planned on doing Western States when I first got into the sport, just because hundred milers for me are so intimidating. And yeah. I was really worried that my body wouldn't hold up that long. So I would really just try and focus on like 50 K and under, and I would do 50 milers every once in a while. And I just felt like I was getting obliterated by hundred Ks, but I've been in it for such a long time. And I turned 30 and was kind of like, I think I'm ready to just do something different, mix it up, do something that really scares me and just see how I handle it. And I felt like the other aspects of my life started to line up with giving me a little bit more time to run and train and focus on just that. So I felt like with a little bit more experience under my belt, now I think I have like more of the tools to like not get injured and put in a really solid training block and, and do it like in a really intelligent way. Cause my goal has always been to be like, like 80 and still running. Like I really, really, really don't want to wreck myself. (laughs) So I think that's why I always shied away from hundred milers. Cause I just feel like if you, if you aren't smart about it, you can get injured so easily. And yeah, I don't know. Truthfully, I was just afraid before. And now I feel like hopefully a little bit more well-equipped. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny that we're having this conversation because I, I just spoke with Anne-Marie Madden and she has almost the identical approach to Western States that you've had just this very pragmatic, like I'm going to wait, I'm going to do other events in the sport. I'm going to train for other stuff. And then I'm just going to wait until I feel ready to do Western. And it's, it's, I think it's an important thing because, and I've fallen victim to this. There's just this tremendous pressure. I'm not saying it's bad or good, but there's a pressure to just like go immediately to the hundred mile distance, like UTMB or Western States, like immediately. And yeah, I don't know where it's sourced from, but it's refreshing to hear your take on that. Yeah. I I think it's just kind of like a long-term attitude. Like I want to be in this sport for a really long time. And especially after seeing so much burnout in collegiate athletics, like I'm, I'm take like a very cautious approach, yep. I think for that reason. And then where are you based? Like, where do you do your training and maybe just talk about, uh, talk about that. Yeah, I am in a very unexpected location. <laughs> I live in Spokane, Washington, which I feel like there's not very many, <laughs> you know, it's not Boulder, it's not Flagstaff which are other places I have lived and trained, but I'm an ICU nurse and I had a really good job opportunity here. So that's why I'm here. And honestly, I love it. I feel like it's super underrated as a place to train. We're really close to Canada. Like the trails aren't crowded. Like it has a bad reputation. Like I totally get that. I grew up in Portland. I heard it, but it has my heart. I I really enjoy it. Well, it's funny you say that too, because 
my partner and I just did a road trip up to Washington this past September. And I drove through Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and Spokane, Washington. And then we camped on like the East side of the Cascades for five days. And I was just blown away and honestly shocked that like a place like Spokane isn't more on the map. Like it's not one of those trail running meccas, like you said, Flagstaff is in Boulder. Are there any other people, like any other notable trail runners in town? Like, is there a community that you train with? There's, I have a little bit of a community here. I'm starting to build it. One of my friends, Aaron Good, is like a really good training partner of mine. And I've kind of like built a small community. There's a good amount of road runners here and I'm slowly meeting people, but it's definitely a little underrated and not like most people's first choice for a place to live and train. Are there any events up there, like ultra events, like hundred milers or 50 milers, anything like that? Well, I'm tough is outside McCall, McCall, Idaho, or I think, yeah, it's in McCall. There's a couple like sky running esque races at Schweitzer mountain resort up in Sandpoint, Idaho. Okay. I'm sure there's a bunch of really cool stuff in Canada that I haven't really like looked into yet because the border's been closed for a while, but Yeah, I'll have to do a little bit more research, especially with this gap that I now have, like Intel Western, I'm looking to jump into some more like local stuff. I feel like a lot of it has been shut down. And now, you know, races are, of course, happening again, there's less COVID restrictions. So I'll learn more about them and get back to you on that. But well, if, if you had to play tour guide for a second, like if I'm a trail runner passing through Spokane, Where am I running? What's my one run in and around town before going on to the next place? Yeah. Well, your in-town run is absolutely Riverside State Park. It's like a huge state park. It's actually right because a river runs like right through the middle of Spokane and like on the north side of the city, like northwest side is a really big state park. It runs along the river. That's lots of like kind of nice windy trails. It's pretty big. That's my go-to because I can get to it with it's within the mile run from my house and you have really good trails and city living like right next to each other. And that's like, without having to get out of your car and drive anywhere. And I'm all about that. So (laughs) that's probably my first recommendation. Okay. What do you do for work? I'm an ICU nurse. I work in uh, a hospital with five minutes away from my house and I love it. So my perception of nursing is that it's like the work equivalent of ultras. It's incredibly demanding, a lot of time on feet, high pressure. Is, is that a correct characterization? And I guess I'm curious, like how you balance such an important and such a demanding career with running, given that you run professionally for Adidas, like how do you balance that? Yeah, it's really hard. Honestly, the first year I got into it, I didn't really have much of a balance. Like COVID was just like absolutely rampant. And I had to really scale back on my running just to be a good nurse. That's really important to me in a career I want to do for a long time. So I wanted to take it seriously. So I've had to like swing back and forth for focusing on one thing more and then other thing. I feel like I finally have a good middle ground where I can balance both, but it's taken a long time. To answer your first question, like Nursing is absolutely just like ultras. Like you're there for 12 hours. You are mentally checked in the whole time. Like you get some good breaks to reset, but you need to be on your A game like the entire 12 hours. And and that's a long time. I think it's really helped me actually when I do run ultras to be like, oh, this is like less than a 12 hour shift. And sometimes I'll only sit down for five minutes here and five minutes there. And like, I'm pretty active and busy. So it's, I feel like it's a good part of training, but 
when, I mean, I, I kind of balance the schedule by like, I just switched to working part-time, which is the best thing in the world before I was working full-time and I was alternating between days and nights, which is so hard on like your sleep schedule. I feel like runners are so yeah. OCD about sleep. And I just tried to pretend that it didn't affect me, but of course it definitely affected me. So now I just work days and I work three shifts a week and then two shifts a week. So I alternate like my really hard training week with the the week that I work a little bit less and then taking a slightly easier week on the the times when I work a little more. And oftentimes I just wake up at 4.30, get a little run in and then go to work for 12 hours and stack like my hard workouts and my long runs on days that I have off. And every single week looks way different than the last. Like I have all the same components, but I'm constantly like moving around like the long run and the workout and recovery just because my schedule is not regular ever. So it's strange. <laughs> and I feel like there's an art form for it that I'm slowly learning, but well, just we, be adaptable. <laughs> well, we had another golden ticket winner on the show Tuesday, Jeff Colt, and he was trying to sell me on the benefits of all day standing. He's like, Finn, I only do 40 to 50 miles a week of training because I actually try to stand for 10 to 12 hours a day. And you'd be surprised yeah. at how far that goes when it comes to being successful at ultras. And he's like, I never really felt bad during black Canyon because this amount of time on feet was like my normal. Yeah. yeah. No. I think there's something to that. I don't think it's like a magic cure all. Like I was still really tired during black canyons, yeah. you yeah. know, despite spending many hours on my feet, but yeah, I don't know. I think it definitely helps train your body to have a little bit better, like endurance for sure. And especially like mentally, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, I do a lot of hard things at work, like emotionally difficult stuff. Just like I can be really tired and still have to like, you know, put my feelings aside and be present for a patient or something. And I think it's taught me more than anything, a lot of like really good mental tactics to just be like tougher <laughs> as an yeah. athlete. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into black Canyon. I'm curious. And I apologize for overlooking the Lake Sonoma ticket. Cause I, I do remember now you got that and you just decided not to go to Western, but uh, I'm yeah. curious. Yeah. Why did you choose black Canyon? Like what, there's a ton of other races. There's obviously Canyon's hundred K there's Bandera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what so, appealed about black Canyon? I, first of all, I've never run the Black Canyons Trail. Despite living in Flagstaff, I yeah. never ran it. I never saw it. It was always a bucket list thing. I yeah. really like our Viper races. So I knew it was going to be like a good event. So it was already like a good choice from that standpoint. Canyons, I ran last year and I did it like under trained okay. <laughs> and it was so hard. And you know, when you just get like a little bit wrecked in a race and then it's hard to go back to it because you're just yeah. like, Oh man, that was so brutal that one year. So I was like pre mentally prepared. If I didn't get a golden ticket at black canyons, to continue it and try again at canyons. But I didn't want to, cause I had that like past experience and it was humbling. And then I actually did Bandera. I showed up, I was super fit and really ready to go. But the day before I got like a super bad stomach bug and was like throwing up all day long, um, the day before the race. And so I still started because in my mind, I was like, maybe it's just like a 24 hour thing and it'll magically go away and it'll be totally fine, which was absolutely me lying to myself. And I made it like 15 miles of dry heaving and was like, yeah, okay, I think I'm good. <laughs> so 
uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess all those things together were what brought me to Black Canyons. <laughs> and then I should have asked this earlier, but is Spokane a place where you can train through the winter and you can get the specificity you need for races like Black Canyon? Turns out, no. Most of the trails were like packed snow. I've really only been running on like ice and packed snow and uh, the Centennial bike path. So just like paved bike path. And that's kind of where I've done all my workouts, but it's quite cold here. I think all my training was under like 30 degrees. Like it, it hasn't gotten above freezing until the last couple of weeks. So I wasn't exactly heat adapted. I did some treadmill runs. So like, I guess that kind of counts. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it was okay. It's possible, but it's not exactly like specific training, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can make it work, but maybe not the best thing. Well, normally I pride myself on good research, but I totally overlooked your Bandera and your canyons and your Sonoma. So it turns out you're actually <laughs> a veteran of these golden ticket races. And I'm curious, <laughs> given that you have all this experience, were you going into black Canyon with a similar race strategy or were you looking to try something new? I'm curious about that. Mm, that's a good question. I'm not really huge on strategy a lot of the time. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like if I'm fit, it'll just work out. And I don't always run with a ton of strategy. Okay. To be honest, I usually go out pretty conservative. I hate the feeling of just hammering from the get go and then dying later and having to hold on. Like I used to do that in college races. And then when I got in the trails, I was like, we're going to be smarter, run negative splits, or at least try. So my goal was just to go out easy. I know it's a fast start, but just like really run within my means and then start racing at like the 40 K mark when like you start to have some more climbing and people start to feel the burn a little bit more or even past that, like 50 K 60 K when it starts to like really heat up. So when I was out there, I was super excited to find like a whole pack of ladies with a very similar mentality. Like I was running with Claire and Devin and we were all like, let's form an alliance and just like start really slow and just chill. Like no one get too excited. We're going to just stay relaxed. And it was really fun. Like the first 20 miles, we were just like shooting the shit and talking and I didn't really feel like racing. It just felt like a fun run that I was on with some old friends that I haven't chatted with in a while. And it got harder after that, but that was my strategy. It was like, stay within my means, stay calm. Like, and then as the day progresses, like check in with myself and my crew and try and keep pushing. And so I just tried to keep contact with that pack as long as I could. And then after that, it's just a race of attrition. <laughs> you reminded me, and this is, I think what makes our sport so funky is that alliances and in race support and partnering with your competitors actually makes sense and can take you far. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have like cool people who are willing you know, to work with you and check, check you a little bit. Like I came I'm trying to remember, I think it was like the third aid station, but I came out of it. And I just had that like runner's high when you come out of an aid station and you're like, I can fly the rest of this race. I feel so good right now. And I remember I ran right past Devin and she like, I don't remember exactly what she said to me, but she was basically like, that's Addie Bracey right up there. Like we're doing great. Like we can see her. You don't have to like go run and catch anybody. It's super early on. And I remember being like, thank you for saying that because I don't need to go all out right now. So 
yeah, we were joking the whole time. Like it feels like survivor where people like make alliances and like you just try and last till the end together. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And actually it makes me ask this question. So this is a listener question, but I'm equally as curious, given that you got the third golden ticket and you were on the edge there the whole day, what did it feel like mentally to be in that position? Were you still trying to just run your own race the whole time? Were you cognizant of that? And you felt the pressure. I'm curious, like what mental strategies you deployed there to make it all work in the end. I was just kind of trying to do the best that I could do the whole day. I feel like I hit a certain point in that race where I was like, this is just like all I've got. And if someone passes me, then they're just more fit than I am. And if I pass someone, then that's awesome. But right now, I am giving like 110% of like the effort that I have within me. So like, you know, what happens, happens kind of, I feel like that was my mentality for a lot of it. Pretty early on in the race, Claire had mentioned that she wasn't actually racing for a golden ticket. And so I actually knew that the whole time, but I didn't necessarily always know like what position I was in relative to other people. Cause I feel like if I was in this pack and then there were like, a few people that got away from us, but I didn't know exactly how many there were in front. And I wasn't always going through aid stations and hearing like, Oh, you're in fifth or you're in sixth. So I wasn't yeah. really sure. But I remember when I picked up Steven Kirsch, my pacer, he had mentioned like, Oh, you're in fourth right now. And I had thought I was in third going into that aid station. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> this is. And then I was like, Oh wait, Claire said she might not take the ticket. So, and then the wheels were turning and that was the first time that I got really nervous about it. Cause I thought I was in a comfortable third. And then I realized I was in fourth and then I was like, maybe I can catch the person in front of me, but I wasn't sure how far she was. And ugh, yeah, I don't know. It was a whole, I was just trying to hang on. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, even when you're in contention, do you ever deal with the issue of just being satisfied with where you are and maybe just like losing the motivation to do the work you need to close it out strong and to get that last ticket. Was that ever an issue on at Black Canyon or has it been an issue at previous races? I think so. I think that in general, I'm like a friendlier competitor maybe than I should be. I feel like when I'm running with people or alongside people and they pass me or vice versa, like maybe I need to be more fierce because oftentimes when someone passes me and I felt like I was running fast and then they run past and I'm like, dang, she just looks good right now. Like go friend, go. <laughs> and that's not like as competitive as of a mindset as I think sometimes would be like beneficial to be more of a racer. So that's actually something I'm working on is being a little more like fierce, but it's hard because there's just so much talent in this sport and it's so easy to see what other people are doing and believe in them just as much as you believe in yourself. So, uh, yeah, for me, at least it's something I'm working on. <laughs> I know we talk a lot about lessons learned following poor performances or underperformances, but in the case of black Canyon, obviously it was a great performance. Are there any lessons you're taking away from it? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad I had this experience with that experience and I'm going to apply that towards Western States or something else in this upcoming training block? I, I learned a lot. Yeah. I think the, one of the first takeaway points that I got was just running in heat and how you have to be really cognizant of like staying, like keeping your body wet and mm. not getting overheated. Like mm. I, my crew stepped in at the very last minute to help out as some of my Adidas teammates. 
And if it weren't for them, I don't think I could have done what I did that day because they did a bunch of things that I never asked them to do as crew. Like Steven brought these bandanas that like he would tie around my neck that was like full of ice in the back. And it was like the most luxurious thing that could have possibly happened to me while running. And I probably said, thank you. Like so many times, but that's like, in my opinion now, absolutely essential for like hot weather running. So like ice in all places, like I had some in my sports bra, I had it on my back and I was like loving life. So that was a big lesson. Like don't ignore the heat and think it's not a problem because going into black canyons, I didn't think about it. I've been running in freezing temps for as long as I can, you know, many Mm. months. So Mm. I was like, oh, it'll feel like I'm on tropical vacation. I didn't really think like, oh yeah, like it gets hot. You should probably, you know, prepare for that. So that was a big takeaway. I think the other thing was, I really felt like when I was racing, I was like putting everything I had out there in terms of fitness. I feel like that was a really good reflection of like where my fitness was at and to finish that race and be like, whew, okay, you know, I barely got that golden ticket. Like, I don't feel that great right now. I, I kind of walked away being like, I need to train a lot harder if I'm going to expect to finish a hundred miles, like be competitive at a hundred miles. So I think it was good. It was, it was humbling in a lot of ways. And I think has made me come back to my like training plans and go, okay, how do we really like beef this up? How do I make myself as strong and as fast as I can possibly be and like really boost my endurance? So I think my next training block is going to have a few more miles and more, more strength work. And just to a lot of stuff to make sure I'm like really bulletproof going into going into the States. I was just going to ask, given that Western States is like the marquee event in the U S it's on par with like UTMB over in Europe. Do you think any differently about this next training block or do you, do you consider it with the same focus you'd apply to any race? Like, are you psyching yourself out? Or are you like, you know what? I'm going to stick to my guns. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not psyched out. I think I'm a good amount of like excited and intimidated if that makes sense. Like I'm, I think black canyons was like humbling in a lot of ways for me to like really realize like, okay, I have to really take everything that I've learned from all the running that I've done and apply like the best version of myself to this training block and like really give it my all. And I feel really motivated and excited to do that. And especially because it's something that is still outside my comfort zone I think that that new component of like this isn't just like a 50k I know I've done a 50k I can do that you know this is bigger and it's on a big stage and I I feel like that has really reinvigorated my love for this sport and my excitement to really train like as hard as I can for it you you talked about upping the mileage, for example, is there anything else that you see yourself doing differently in preparation for States? Like, are you somebody that would go and like move down to Sacramento and or Auburn and train on the course for six weeks ahead? That strategy, I feel like doesn't really work well for me. I am very much a creature of habit. Hmm. And so my plan is like to hunker down in my home base and just do what I normally do, but do more of it and do better. Like, sleep more, eat a little better, add a few more miles, not change anything drastically, just take what I do and make it higher quality and add a little more. That being said, my sister lives in Sacramento. So I'll probably go down there and like 
preview the course. I have a couple teammates like Emily Hoggett is going to be down there also training for state. Yes. I haven't asked her this yet, but maybe crash with her for a little <laughs> bit and preview the course. So I'll go down there, but I won't go live down there also. Cause like I have a job and so I can't like, <laughs> I can't just leave for six weeks and then come back. So I'll, it- I'll do what I can. I was over in Chamonix this past August for uh, the UTMB week. And one of the things yeah. that stuck out to me was how cool of a setup Adidas had, like that team house. It's just absolutely incredible. And I'm wondering, do they do something similar for Western States? Like, will you have that benefit on race week? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have all the benefits of having an incredible team, like all come together with a little bit of help with like planning meals and like mm-hmm. getting massages and like all the things that you can think of to like really have a good performance they really help us with adidas i didn't even know that like a sponsor could be that supportive and until i like got on this team and it's it's been like super cool i mean like i love them like i love my family we've become like so close because we spend so much time together and we do all these really cool things and they've awarded us some really incredible opportunities to just be ourselves and go run the races that we want to do and do the things that inspire us and just start, give us like a, you know, resources to make all that happen yeah. and then support when you want to try something new. So that's been really special. Yeah. As a fan of the sport and I'm not the athlete you are, I'm not sponsored, but just as a fan of the sport, for a while, it was like Hoka, Solomon, and Ultra, and they still have their place. They're still big, but it's been interesting to see brands like Adidas and Brooks and Saucony become so much more relevant and to have really elite athletes like yourself representing them. And just really cool. Like I said, Adidas stuck out to me the most UTMB week. And so that's cool. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an amazing team to be a part of. One of the things I love is like, they support like the running community too. It's not just about like, oh, we have these star athletes and they're amazing. It's like, how can we make this whole sport better? You know, what can we give to the people who love this like we do? And I really, I really respect that approach. That's the perfect place to switch gears. I'm curious, and this is another listener question. I think it's a good place to add it in. Do you have any advice for younger female runners that are entering into the sport, especially those that want to take the sponsorship pro route that you took? Yeah. Oh man, I think having like good mentors and people to talk to about how to move up is super helpful. Like Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people give me advice and help me learn to sort of stick up for myself and really know what I was worth. And that was super helpful. It's really hard to negotiate contracts if you've like never done that before. And then training, of course, is like a whole nother beast. Like how hard do you go? I mean, I knew what to do in college. I'd been trained my whole life from like collegiate coaches. And like, I'd always had coaches dictating my training plans. And I was really good about like, okay, get this, do this, like just execute. And then all of a sudden I was off on my own designing new things. So again, I think like having some like good leadership and guidance is like huge, like knowing finding someone who's like maybe a little bit more seasoned in the sport and can give you good advice is huge. I think one big lesson for me, it was like patience because I think that especially like for female trail runners, it's like, you probably won't peak until maybe your mid thirties and that's like totally okay. And I feel like one trend that I've seen in the sport lately is there's so many like insanely talented collegiate runners getting into it in a way that 
I feel like there wasn't like when I had just graduated. Yeah. And I think it's like a really important lesson to just bide your time, get into it, have fun. Don't take it too seriously and realize that like you could be in this for a long time. Have that long-term mentality of, I don't know, not like expecting yourself to be victorious at like the first race that you do immediately. Cause I fell victim to that. I was like, I'm a good collegiate runner. Like I can be great in all the trail races. And instantly I was so humbled because it's a whole different ball game. Like you have to learn to eat. You have to learn to like last for these really long distances. Like mentally it's so different and there's so many lessons to be learned. And I think if I would have been like easier on myself in the beginning, I probably would have been like a little bit happier (laughs) with the results that I had. Um, well, it's hard. Yeah. 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 Well, that makes me wonder. So you've been in the sport for about six years and I'm curious, and we can maybe take this from a sponsorship angle, but really any angle that you see fit, what's the biggest difference you notice about the sport from when you first entered in what, 2015, 2016 versus now 21, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. This might be like partially my own awareness of how big this sport is, but I feel like it's just growing. Like when I initially got into ultra running, it felt so niche and like such a random small sport that only a few people did here and there. And like the longer I've been in it, I feel like it's really becoming so much more popular. Like you go into running stores and there's way more running shoes. And like you, you travel abroad and do a race like UTMB. And for me initially just doing like small races in Colorado that like blew my mind. I was like, so many people actually care. This is crazy. And so I feel like it's just, it's growing really fast and it's exciting to be a part of and have just more eyes on it. And yeah. Are there, are there more like a trend? Yeah. Are there more opportunities as a sponsored athlete? Like were the conversations when you were first talking with brands, uh, are they different now than they were back then because the sport's bigger? I feel like that's the case, but it might just be, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I I assume so. I feel like more brands are seeing that there's a lot of people who love trail running and it's super cool and that's a a growing market. So I could understand why that'd be true. I mean, I I think so. Yeah, it seems like it. Would you ever do this full time? If you had the opportunity, like Adidas came to you and said, Hey, whatever you're making as, as a nurse, uh, we'll cover that and more. And we just want you training and, and living and breathing, running all day. Would that be something that's appealing to you? No, I, I don't think I could. I do really well with just having like multiple things going on in my life. I really mm-hmm. enjoy having the balance of like, maybe I have a bad day at work and then I can go out on a great run and like, you know, sort of forget about that. And then yeah vice versa. I can have a really bad race. And then a couple of days later, I can go to work and just like absolutely crush it as a nurse. And it helps keep me at like more of an emotional equilibrium because mm. all my eggs aren't like in one basket. And also mm. I struggled with this for a while of feeling like all the time that I was putting into running felt a little bit selfish. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good, you know, leader and role model and promote like a healthy lifestyle and like all these things that could be like you're trying to better the community around you, but I, it still felt kind of selfish to me. And so I feel like nursing is my way of giving back to the community that I live in and being able to contribute something like 
very tangible and very direct and obvious. And that makes me like feel really good. Not saying that full time is a selfish thing at all, but for me, I, I think it, it just worked better to like have a couple of different things going and yeah, I just like it. Nursing's also fun. <laughs> That's a great take. So I ask this question often to pro athletes like yourself, and I used to be very biased in the opposite direction. I thought that for whatever reason, it made the most sense for athletes to go all in, but answers yeah. like those always slowly, but surely tilt me at least towards the middle. So yeah, interesting. I, I think it makes me better. Cause I'm like, I'm less in my head. Like when I show up to train, I'm like, okay, this is what I got to do. And I, okay. I know I have this thing where if I have too much free time, I don't get the, anything done. I mm. like waste it somehow. But if I have less, you need, free you time, need constraints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. If I have less free time, I like get organized and like, I don't know. It's just like how my brain works, I guess. <laughs> so juggling the two works well. That being said, being part-time and juggling less of nursing has been hugely beneficial. <laughs> I can attest to that. I had guests coming to the house on Monday morning and at 11 PM at night, I was painting our bathroom because it needed to get done. Yeah. So. See, it's like yin, yin, the yin and the yang. <laughs> you need the both. <laughs> if we're being critical just for a second, what would you like to see changed in the sport? Ooh. <sighs> hmm. I think, I mean, it'd be really cool if trail running was like in the Olympics. <laughs> Amen. So there's that. I think, I mean, I really love like the small races that like pop up across the, like some of the small events that I've done have been like some of my favorite events. So not becoming like too big and too corporate. Yeah. I feel like UTMB has taken like an interesting direction where it just feels like it's becoming like a big giant. And I don't know, I want to keep the, like the small ultra running community still feeling like the small ultra running community. If that makes any sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. It's interesting that if I make a decision, for example, to just stay on my local circuit and do races like the bear 100 or the Wasatch 100 or squaw peak 50, I would have no opportunity to do UTMB one day because I haven't been doing their circuit of races for however many years and however many stones I need to collect. So yeah, it's interesting how you get locked out. Yeah. And I don't love that. <laughs> I, I want to be able to do like cool stuff that's local to me and not have to focus all my efforts on traveling to like specific races just to make it to like this one big event. Like I want to give back to like smaller communities that are hosting things with like local running clubs and stuff. And you can only run so many ultras in a year. So right. I feel like it's a really hard position to be in kind of. Yeah. Uh, putting uh, last question on this front, putting your prediction hat on for a second. If you had to guess, what do you think will be the most different about our sport 10 years from now? Ooh. Hmm. And it could be any area of the sport too. Oh, gosh, this is such a be. hard question. <laughs> I mean, I could do the easy answer and just be like, I think we'll be in the Olympics, which I think would be really that's, cool. That's a great one. That's a great one. I, don't, I think like our community will just like continue to, my hope is we'll just continue <laughs> to like grow and be more like inclusive of everyone and like be 
more diverse and be known for celebrating like body positivity. Because one thing that I really love about trail running, and I feel like this has become a more popular topic lately, is like people can look so many different ways and still absolutely crush on the trails. And I felt like when I was in the collegiate like Mm. track world, I felt like very specific body types were good at like long, fast 5Ks. And it was just like one type of person. And I feel like in trails, I don't know, it just seems like it's a little bit more welcoming. And so I would just hope that that grows. I'm really glad you said that because this is not my own thought, but it is new to me and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wrap my head around it. The idea that if we want to grow the sport, we should be more encouraging to people that don't have access to trails and maybe they need to run roads five or six days a week. And they have that one day where they can do the two hour drive and escape to the mountains. Because I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that have a perception problem, which is like, unless you're running the most aesthetic verdi mountain long runs, you're not a trail runner. And maybe we need to That's- dispel that notion. That's so, so accurate. I mean, I am absolutely guilty of this. Like I do the vast majority of my running on non-scenic trails, like city bike paths, like running under highway underpasses, like it's what's local to me. That's what's easy, you know, like, but the only things that go on my Instagram, you know, admittedly are like the cooler, the prettier runs, the stuff that I can realistically only do. I don't know, like once every couple of weeks in the summer, it's a little easier, but you know, in the winter, like I, I drive to most of my big ski missions. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's so true. Like maybe celebrating more of like, (laughs) I don't know, more of the hustle (laughs) and like the hard work that goes into those beautiful scenic runs that you get to do every once in a while. It's in, again, I have to emphasize that I can't take credit for that. I just heard it like two hours ago. And I'm like, that makes a ton of sense, but it, it, it yeah. could be connected to so many issues around like increasing participation in the sport and diversity, because there's really only like six major trail towns in the U S and we're going to limit ourselves if we don't increase, expand the definition and allow places like, I don't know, Austin, Texas to also be trail running centers. So yeah, no, Anyways, that's so true. A couple of philosophical questions here. Cause I like to go deep. Sometimes. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'll, the- I'll do what I can. <laughs> Um, the first one, is there anything you used to believe strongly about our sport, whether it's from a racing standpoint or a training standpoint, whatever that you've changed your mind about recently or in the last couple of years and why? I used to think, I used to think that, um, going out on big long runs could solve all like mental problems, like any stress that I was going through, any like life transitions, like big, difficult things. I would just go out on runs and Mm. feel like, oh yeah, I can work out all these things that are bothering me in my head while I'm running. Like running is therapy and running is therapy, but that's not the same as like actual therapy. So (laughs) I think that's something that I've like changed my perception on is like running is very therapeutic and that's a wonderful thing but it's not the same as talking to someone about what you're going through. Like running is a really beautiful, like escape mechanism and does help us like cope with stress and problems and stuff. But I think that there's other ways to do that too. Like sharing with your friends and family, like talking to people, like seeking professional help if that's what you want. And that's, that's something that has definitely changed since I kind of started thinking about trail running, like my relationship to the sport. 
I would second that very strong. I used to think that running could solve all my problems, or if I just read enough books in a certain area, uh, it would solve <laughs> yeah. things, but nothing replaces human connection and either talking with people that care about you or people that have trained their whole lives to empathize. So yeah, amen. absolutely. Um, what's a recent book, movie, or podcast you've consumed that has changed the way you think or see the world and why? Okay. So my recent, most recent, like guilty pleasure show that I just discovered, I don't know that this has truly changed the way I see the world. So take it with a grain of of salt, but it is the most recent thing I've been watching, but I just discovered cheer on Netflix and (laughs) I'm have never been a cheerleader. I like know nothing about cheer, but it is so impressive. And I feel like this is true for me for all sports, but it's so cool watching other people be really incredible at the sport they practice. And I really respect like hard work and dedication to something like no matter what you're putting that into. Yes. And I feel like that's kind of what's shown in that show. And it's been really cool just to like see how they train and like the emotion that goes into it. And I don't know, it's been like pretty motivating for me actually to just take what I do, but do it better. Cause I guess in collegiate cheer, there's just like a few competitions that really make a big difference in like, like you only have a couple chances to be great basically. And I feel like in, it made me think more of ultra running and be like, wow, it's, it's really amazing that you can have a terrible race and just do another race. There's always more races or a lot of the time, hopefully you're not injured and aren't able to do stuff anymore, but it makes me grateful to have a lot of different opportunities to really like prove myself and motivated me to be a little tougher too. Cause some of those girls will break bones and have like serious injuries and fly up in the air and then get dropped on their head. And they'd be like, I'm gotta go back out. And I watched it like after black Canyons. I was like, maybe I think I just need to be tougher. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'm so glad you mentioned that you're inspired by anyone that specializes and is dedicated to their craft because, and I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm always late to the game on everything, but I'll share a funny story. I just recently watched this show on Netflix called Queen's Gambit. I (gasps) I saw that. Yo, I, I watched it. Well, anyways, because I am so out of touch with like pop culture, I thought I was the first person to see that show. And I just was shouting it from the mountaintops. You got to watch <laughs> Queen's Gambit. You got to go buy a, a set. Yeah. And uh, apparently people watched it two years ago, but that's neither here nor there. Anyways, that's a great show <laughs> because okay. she's so her dedication to chess and like how she like, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have one other one that was along these same lines, but I also watched it's called We Are the Champions on Netflix. It's like a mini like docu-series. And they just okay. follow like people doing one specific thing and doing it great. Yeah. And they follow like people who like eat professional or people who eat like really hot chilies and go in competitions and do that. And they're, the first episode is all about cheese rolling. It's this little town in the UK and they talk about it and how every year they have these competitions that started like in like the 1800s like it's been going on for a really long time and they like roll a big thing of cheese down a hill and everyone like chases after it and it's super competitive and at the end you like win the cheese and people like break bones there's like an ambulance at the bottom of this like really steep I don't know it's maybe like 200 yards or something hill and people like throw themselves down the hill after the cheese and like break stuff but whoever gets to the bottom wins the cheese and gets all the glory and I don't know. It's That's all- along the same lines. Like you have to respect people just going full send down a really steep hill after cheese. Like I want to treat an ultra like they treat that race. 
that, that, might, that might be the quote for the episode right there. Cool. Um, Perfect. <laughs> all right. So the last question I have for you uh, is if you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Oh, gosh. Okay. This is a hard one. Um, probably like treat nurses better. <laughs> COVID has been hard on all of us. And I think a lot of, I know that healthcare workers have really been through the ringer and Mm. have sacrificed a lot to still be showing up every day and doing their jobs. And that's not easy. And y'all don't always get thanked for it. And I think that like my fellow coworkers deserve some more like recognition for all the lives that they've saved and the time they've put in the sacrifices they've made so yeah something along those lines maybe i'd come up with a more eloquent way to say hey i've so enjoyed this conversation i always learn a lot in each episode but the density of knowledge i picked up here was was awesome (laughs) for folks that want to follow your journey to western states they want to follow you on social how do they do so i'm on instagram my handle is at underscore (laughs) tame underscore so that's probably the best way. I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't have a blog. <laughs> and I very rarely log into Facebook because I found it's not the best for my mental health. <laughs> but Instagram, I do check. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks again. We were stoked to have you on. Great to meet you. And thank you for the time. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad we have Taylor Nallen in the sport. In addition to being a great athlete, she is a great ambassador. So be sure to give her a shout out on Instagram if you liked what you heard and were inspired. One last thing before we go, if you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review in whichever podcast player you tune in on. Thanks as always. Truly, I I really appreciate it. I know that there's a lot of podcasts out there. Your attention is precious and limited. So it means a lot. Until next time, I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and this is the Single Track Podcast.